How's everybody feeling this morning? Let me hear how you're doing over here. You good? How you doing over here? This side. Come on, let's do it. Come on. You can do better. It's never, you know. You've got to be ready. <laughs> Come on, one more time. Let's go. How you doing? Oh, it's back to school. This is like pep rally feel. What's Centennial's uh, mascot or name, sports name? What is it? The Centaurs. The Centaurs? Centaurs. Centaurs. What's a centaur? Is that something that's like half man, half beast? What is it? Really? What's its power? I don't know. That doesn't matter. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad. glad to be in church this morning. It's good to be here. I am uh, excited for what's happening tonight. We are finishing up 21 days of prayer right now today, and we're closing it up tonight with a, a big yeah, prayer and worship event that goes from 6 to 7 o'clock tonight. And here's, here's who it's for. It's for a couple groups of people. It's for everyone. Everyone's invited. But really specifically, it's for you. If you just finished that worship set and you were like, oh man, that was amazing. I really started to get into it around song number four. And I wish there was just a little bit more. Then it's for you tonight. That would be for you. It's also for you if you would say, man, I felt nothing at all. I'm still like, I was here for the whole thing. And I just didn't really feel like I had an encounter with God. And here's what I would encourage you if that's where you're at. I would say it's time to just shake up the schedule a little bit or shift the routine and give yourself some more wide open space in the presence of God to allow God to speak to your heart, to allow your heart to become more wide open to what God would want to speak to you today. So that's who it's for tonight. It's for everybody. We hope you're, you can be here. And parents, we put it at six to seven uh, so that you can have a worship experience with your kids. The Johnston three are going to be here tonight in their pajamas. You know, it's six to seven. So we're hoping that on that drive home, after we give them lots of gravel, they're going to fall. No, we're not going to give them any gravel. <laughs> But we're hoping that after some sweet time with Jesus and some time with some friends that they're going to fall asleep on the way home. And uh, we hope that you can be here tonight with us. As Pastor Troy said, we are finishing up our staycation series. And uh, I didn't really like the joke he said about it being winter. But how many have felt that little cold tinge at night? Like the cold, you know, what's with that? It's August. It's, it's August. I think it's coming back. I looked at, Avia said to me yesterday, she, 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 she likes to get into my phone. I'm worried about the day when she first tweets. I don't even know if I have a Twitter account, but she might get in there and figure it out. Instagram, I can't wait because she does know how to take a selfie. Something will be coming, I'm sure, in the next six months from Avia. She knows my password. I know that day is coming. Anybody? No, let's not go there. So, but what she loves to do is she loves to go into the weather app and see if my day off Monday is going to be Sunday. She's told me it is, so come on, get ready. When you're at work tomorrow and I'm off, it's going to be a fantastic day. Uh, well, I'm so glad that you're here. And I just, I have this, I have this, the summer buzz has not left me. It's still in my heart. And so you showed up to church in, in August. You're ready to hear from God at a point in time in which most people say, I'll be ready to get back in the fall. But you're the all-in crew. So let's dig into God's word together today. I want to talk uh, I want to talk about how we do church, not just as a gathering, but as a family, in three words that God has given us, known, loved, and challenged. And today, it's loved week, y'all. I mean, it is loved week. This is a good week right here. Last week, we talked about known, and we said that this is so important because known is the entry point into actual, genuine love. Why? 
is known essential? Because if you don't believe that someone knows you, you're just not going to receive it when they say that they love you. Because you're going to be thinking, if you really knew me, I'm just not quite sure that you'd really love me. So known is the starting point and it's the entry point. We also said this, that known is a judgment-free zone. When someone walks into Resonate Church, our desire is to see them, know them, and to love them just as they are when they walk in the door. Our desire is to know you just as you walked in. Our desire is to love you just as you are when you walked in. Known is a judgment-free zone. Now, in the journey of following God and knowing Jesus, there is this point we get to. The third word is challenged. And that's because God loves you. Every part of this is loved. Known is loved. Loved is loved. And challenged is loved. None of it is done without love. And I can't wait for next week. It's going to be fantastic. But today, we get to press in on this idea of being loved. And if you can't preach a message on being loved, like, I just like, this is, there's a lot of pressure on today. Like, if I can't preach loved well, then really we should call the whole thing off. Come on, are you ready? Loved better be good. Come on, are you ready to get into God's word? Is your heart open? Not to hear a word from me, but to let the Holy Spirit, come on, let the Holy Spirit who's in the room today just minister to your heart. God's got some love for you today. So set things up like this. Um, Our kids, we had a ministry leader night at our house this week. So we have those who would be responsible for ministry areas like set up or music or um, uh, all of our groups, all the different areas, our guest experiences team. Uh, all of it. All those ministry leaders came over to our house on Wednesday. Now, when we have people over, the girls want to stay up. They can't sleep when there's people over. Parents, you know, this is the, they can't sleep when there's people over. They want to be downstairs. Or sometimes it's not even that they want to be where we are. There's just a buzz in the house. They can't, they just can't, they, they, they can't do it. And so they will try and delay bedtime like, like no other time. And it's all the tricks. I, I need a snack. I need a drink. I need to use the bathroom. I don't need to use that bathroom. I need to use the downstairs bathroom. Uh, I need, it's, sometimes it's just they run out of their room, stand at the top of the stairs, just staring down at us meeting with people, like just like, what are you going to do? We're not in bed. What are you going to do right now? <laughs> and so on this particular night, Avia used the I need a snack trick. And so Rachel fell for it. She came downstairs to get, to get a snack. She came back up, gave Avia the snack. And Avia Oh my goodness, she was in this sweet, this sweet zone. She looked up, Rachel was carrying her brother, seven-month-old Wylan, and Avia, who's five, looked at him and said, buddy, you're the best little boy in the whole world. Now, that sounds really nice. I think a part of her was just talking to, again, delay the onset of bedtime. I mean, I want to give her credit for it, but part of it was just like she wa- But the, I think she really did mean it from her heart, because the next thing she said was, and, and I wasn't even there, but she said, and daddy's the best man in the whole world. Rachel hands her the bread. Avia takes the bread, puts her head down on her pillow. And as her head hits the pillow, she says, I love people. (laughs) Now, I don't know where you came in this morning. I don't know if those words regularly flow from your mouth. I don't know if you hit the pillow last night and said, I love people. But my prayer is that through the example of Jesus today, by the time you leave here, you might at least be a little bit closer to that place today. In John's gospel, John spends a whole bunch of time uh, talking about the final moments of Jesus' life. The other gospels are a lot more about the three years of ministry Jesus did before he would go to the cross. John 
emphasizes the final 24 hours. There's lots in here that he really wants us to see. These final moments matter so much to John. And John begins here this, this great final story with a bit of a preamble to tell us what was in the heart of Jesus. Jesus is about to, with one simple action and a few simple words, reshape his disciples' understanding of the love of God. It's just going to be one simple act and a few simple words, and it is going to radically elevate the standard of love that God has for them and for his church. But John wants to start out, before he tells us what happened, John wants to make sure we understand what's going on in the heart of Jesus, and he starts with this preamble. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, so John is saying, Jesus is about to go to the cross. He's aware that the next day he's going to sacrifice his life for sins. Now, up until this point, he says, Jesus has essentially done one incredible thing, and that he has loved his own. And now at this point, John tells us what he's about to do. He says, he loved them. He's about to love them to the end. Jesus would do this, as you read on in the, in the text, by getting a bucket and some water and a towel, getting down to wash his disciples' feet, all 12 of them, including the one who's about to betray him. And I want us to insert ourselves into the story right here. Because I want you to close your eyes for just a second. And I want you to imagine what it would be like for you if Jesus was to walk into the room right now and he was to get down in front of you with a bucket and some water and a towel. And if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a Christian, this might be hard for you to imagine because you've just been singing all out, expressing your love for Jesus, your desire to give everything for Jesus. What do you do when he's at your feet? You can open your eyes. If you're anything like Peter, you, uh, you, you would say something like this. Peter said back to Jesus, well, you're never going to wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Translation, Peter, you can't serve your way to me. You can only receive your way to me. Jesus goes on and he now says this. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. So with this simple example and these words, Jesus is telling his disciples that that this is the gospel encapsulated in a single moment in time. What is it? Number one that you can't get to God by what you do, that you get there by trusting in what he will do for you. But secondly, that there is a feet-washing ethos within the kingdom of God. Jesus doesn't tell Peter, I never want you to wash any feet. He just says, I don't need you to wash mine. See, there is a feet-washing ethic in the kingdom of God. It's just God looking at us and saying, hey, I don't need, I'm good. I don't need you to wash my feet. But if you want to express how you love me, here's how you do it. Go wash his. So Jesus, this is the gospel. In one moment, the gospel picture, you need to receive what I've done for you, and then you need to take what I've done for you, and you need to go and do likewise. Now, I think it's important that we note this. 
Because if we just look at what Jesus says here in, in the fact that he's setting them an example, I think we might get the wrong idea about what Jesus was doing here. I think we might, we might just have this idea that this was an illustrated sermon, that Jesus was sitting uh, that morning in his prayer time, in his time with the Father, and he was thinking to himself, how am I going to teach this lesson? I know, I'll take a bucket, and I'll set a really good example. And I'm so thankful that John gave us the preamble. Here's why. Because we understand and we are to know that this wasn't just an illustrated sermon where Jesus was trying to teach something. This was genuine love. Jesus wasn't washing their feet thinking, this is really gross, but it's going to teach you something. He was washing their feet thinking, I love you, Peter. Big difference. I love you, John. And here's why we're pressing into the story this morning. Here's why this matters so much. I believe, I actually believe, call me crazy, I actually believe that this is the kind of church that Jesus died to create. See, no church is perfect. This church, even when I stand up here and share these ideals of known, loved, and challenged, I know that we are living them. I know that God is using them. But I do not pretend that we are perfect within these three words. However, this is our mandate. This is our potential. That we change the world through the way we love. And the way that we love is that we receive the love of God so much so that by the end of the day, your head might hit the pillow and think, I love people. Now, we should stop here for a moment because we've got to acknowledge something. Like there's an elephant in the room when it comes to the love of people. And it's that people are really unlovable sometimes. (laughs) So this past week, I was uh, taking my son, who's, I've already mentioned, seven months old. He's incredibly cute. He's incredibly adorable. I'm taking my son, and I'm putting him into his car seat, which is in the car, just parked right in front of our house. You picture the scene. Beautiful son, car seat in car, on the street in front of our house. Now, in order to place him into the car seat, because we have three kids... I go around into the traffic, and I open the door so that I can place my son into his seat. And as the door is slightly protruding into the traffic lane that is behind me, well, no other cars are coming from any direction. And then there, there is a vast chasm of space still existing on the lanes of transportation that exist on the street that we live on. A sweet lady passes me by. She was probably a grandmother with several young, beautiful grandchildren that she loves with all of her heart. And as she passed me by, she gently laid on her horn as if like, get out of my way, buddy. (laughs) Forgetting the scriptures that I had just read that morning. (laughs) I stepped into the road, and I began to wave, like, come back if you want a piece. (laughs) And as soon as I do stupid things like that, I begin to think, like, I hope you weren't in church last Sunday. (laughs) People are hard to love. Our own kids are hard to love sometimes. People are hard to love. But Jesus throws down the love gauntlet. And I just want to scream this out this morning. Yes, Jesus is this good. Jesus says, now go and do 
as I've just done for you. Now, Jesus has been teaching this love ethic throughout his ministry. He's, he's basically placed, placed love as preeminent over everything throughout the entirety of his ministry. At one point in time, a lawyer came to him and said, he's trying to trap him, trying to trick Jesus. And so he said to him, what's the most important commandment in the law? And Jesus said, well, you should love your Lord, your God, with all your heart and your soul and your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And then you should go and love your neighbor as yourself. This is a second that's like the first. Jesus is elevating now up and up, basically to the same level, love God and love others. And he says, on this hang all of the law and the prophets. In other words, every requirement God has from your life can be summarized in these simple thoughts. Love God first and then love others second. Jesus sums it all up and makes it about the love of God. Now some time has passed, and on this final night, having washed the disciples' feet, Jesus gives them a new commandment. And on the surface, it sounds very much like the ones he's given before, but listen to what he says. Immediately after washing their feet, he says, A new commandment I now give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. And that sounds a whole lot like the commands he's given before. That you're to love God first and love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor and love one another sound the same. So why is Jesus saying that this is a brand new commandment? Here it is. Watch this. The newness is contained in four words. These are them. Just as I have. You see, previously, it was love your neighbor as yourself. Like, give away the love that you want to receive. Whatever you, it's the golden rule, right? How you would want to feel, how you'd want to be treated, treat others like that. Jesus then smashes through that and says, hey, now that you've watched me minister, now that you've watched me love, I got a new one for you. Love, not as you want to be loved, not as you've received in your life from other people so far. No, love just as I have. Loved you. Can you picture the disciples? They're just like, they're, they're thinking back to the moments Jesus has loved them. This is what he wants them to do. They're thinking back. I can see Nathaniel. We talked about him last week. Slightly cynical, borderline racist. I can see Nathaniel thinking, yeah, when you met me, I was really critical, and I, I kind of had that racial thing not down very well, and, and you still called me and invited me on the journey, and you loved me on up out of that place I was in. I can picture Matthew, a tax collector, when Jesus had invited him on the journey to be one of his disciples. I can see Matthew thinking, yeah, when you called me, I was despised by the community. I was very greedy. My family didn't even really like me anymore. But you still invited me on the journey, and you loved me on up out of that place I was in. And Jesus is telling them, love just as I have done. And they haven't even yet seen his best demonstration. Love just as I have loved you. Jesus is giving one new covenant gospel commandment before he goes to the cross. And it's a new love ethic. Now, a lot of religions have a love ethos. But Christianity stands alone in this. In, in other religious systems where love is present, it's it's love because you should, or love because I'm God and I'm telling you to. But Christianity is remarkably, incredibly, almost insanely different. It's God saying love because I already did love you. 
God hangs every ask of your life on what you've received from him. He is so sure that if you follow him with an open and whole heart, that you will receive so much love that he can actually make the commandment, not on the basis of him being God, but on the basis of what he is certain that you're going to receive from him. He hangs every ask of your life. He knows that you will receive so much if you taste and see, if you really go all in, if you really open your heart. He knows you will receive so much that he can make every ask of your life simply the hinge point of saying, take what I gave you and give it away. Now, he's given us the mandate. He's told us the potential. Now, like a good teacher, he's about to tell us why. And he says this in the very next verse. By this, by this singular thing, by the way that you love one another, all people will know that you're, by, you're my disciples if you have love for one another. <laughs> so the thing that's going to let the lower mainland know that, that this group of people and the next service that will be in here in, in, in an hour, the thing that's going to let the lower mainland know that this collective, this community, this family, the thing that's going to let them know that we're Jesus followers, you ready for this? It's not what we believe. Jesus says, there's one defining characteristic. It's not what you believe. It's what you do. Now, don't don't misquote me. Jesus is not talking about salvation. You're saved by what you believe. By your faith. Jesus isn't talking about how you're saved. He's talking about how people will know that you're saved. By this, everyone's going to know that you're my disciples. Now, he's laid out the mandate for a new covenant, new church reality. The church that he died to see, to love on the same level that he's loved on. He's essentially told us that you're going to receive so much love from me that I know that all I have to do is ask you to be the overflow of what you receive from me. And then he's told us why, because this is actually the way people will see who Jesus is. So, now, having told us what it is, and having told us why, then we need to ask ourselves, why do we sometimes struggle to keep pace with the commandment? Because if he's told us that we're going to receive so much love that we're simply going to be able to turn around and give it away to other people, then there must be a reason that sometimes it's hard to keep pace with that commandment. And I think there's a couple reasons. One is that life is simply very challenging, Life is tough. You, we, we get run down. Most people came in this morning, and if you were to really say how you were doing, you'd probably say, I'm just really tired. I'm run down. I'm feeling a little bit burnt out. It's, it's hard to run with this pace of love when we feel a little bit run down, when we feel burnt out. There's another reason we might not run with this kind of love or keep pace with the commandment. And we can, you might not even think it's okay to say this in church, but it's okay because the Bible says this a whole bunch. It, the reason you might not be keeping pace with that commandment to love on that level is that you actually don't feel like you've received God's love. Like maybe for the last few weeks or months or maybe never. You're in the room today and you're like, this is such a great idea, but I just, I'm not feeling it. 
I, I'm not really sure that I would be able to feel that love. And here, I, I, came, I came with an encouraging message this morning. I came to lift you up, to elevate you, to be able to open your heart to receive the love of God. Not that I can give you anything. My job is to just declare God's word so that your heart gets open. Here is why you might never have felt the love of God or why you might not be feeling it right now. It's not that God has not loved you. It's not that he doesn't love you. It's not that he's not pouring out his incredible love over you right now. The reason you might not be receiving it is simply that one of the greatest lies of the enemy is that you're not deserving of that love. The reason we might not be awestruck, the reason we might not be keeping pace with the commandment to love on the level of sacrificially laying down my life for you, the reason we might not be on that place is that we just aren't feeling it in our hearts. And the reason isn't he doesn't love you that much. The reason isn't that you can't feel it. It's just that our hearts are clenched up because we don't feel like we're deserving, which is why the Apostle Paul comes along in Romans chapter 5, and he knows how hard it is to get this into our hearts and into our minds. So he's about to three times repeatedly remind us that the love of God showed up while we were at our least deserving. How do we combat the undeserving uh, narrative that plays in our minds? Listen to what Paul says. He says that, well, we were still weak. So it wasn't when we had it together. It wasn't when we had pieced together enough strength. It was when you were still weak at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. But Paul knows we still haven't let it sink into our hearts. It's still just maybe at head level. So let him go again. He says, well, we were still sinners. Like at the time you were at your worst. When you were jacked up, busted up, when your life was a hot mess full of garbage, it was then that Christ died for you. He's combating the deserving, the undeservedness uh, mindset that lives within us. And then he says one more time, listen, two times one enough. I'm going to hit you a third time. Well, you were an enemy of God. And you might not be like, enemy is a strong word. Like I've never really enemied God. Yeah, but all of us have turned our backs. Well, you were an enemy of God. It was then that God reconciled him to, uh, by the death of his son. Well, you were weak. Well, you were in sin. Well, you were an enemy. Christ died for you. And we don't really like to think that it like took the death of the Son of God to save us from sins. We don't really like to think of the scope of the crucifixion. Here's why it matters so much that we do. It's the scope of the crucifixion that actually reminds us that he loved us that much when we were undeserving. It's the scope of the crucifixion that actually breaks through the undeservedness mindset. You are deserving, not because of what you've done, but because the love of God was poured out for you in the full scope of a Roman execution tool. So if in our minds lives this thought, I'm not deserving, we see the scope of God's love and we say, I wasn't, but I am. All of a sudden, that weight that says, oh, I just haven't felt it in a long time. I'm just not really feeling it today. All of a sudden, when we begin to understand that it is the love of God demonstrated in an execution, when we see that, when we think about that, when we are aware of that, we realize I wasn't deserving, but in this moment I am, and I receive God's love, and it washes away. It washes away the clutter of, I just am not feeling it right now. Church, this is our potential. Our potential exists in the fact that God has loved us that much and that we can simply turn around and love the one another's in our lives that much. We're constantly trying as a team, and this, is, this, this known love challenge exists usually in the leadership space of our church. 
we're usually talking about this as groups of leaders figuring out how can we do this in our church. And I'm simply going to give you a few ideas before I get to just some main application points. But here's how it looks in the context of doing life as family, even in team. Here's what, here's, here's what we really believe. We believe that love means that we actually care more about who you are than what you do. Like it matters to us a whole bunch that you engage with your faith and that you serve in some way, not because we need something from you, but because God made you with a gift and there's nothing sweeter in life than knowing that you woke up with purpose and went to bed feeling like you love some people. Like that's actually, that's why we run Next Steps every single service. We're just, uh, and, and you could show up to church and you could never, ever, ever engage with any of that and we'll still love you. Why? Because that's just the mandate that's on the house. And so actually all I ever want to do when we talk about next steps is not push anyone. I just want you to have a really wide path so it's pretty obvious what it would look like to do. But here's what love looks like. Love looks like this. We care more about who you are than what you do. That's what it looks like. It, it, I, I, I used to think that love meant that I was going to have to I have to figure out a way to get more schedule in my time. I'm basically going to have to be like a non-present dad. I'm gonna, if I'm going to really love people the way Jesus loved people, I got no time for my kids because, you know, we got a church and there's like a bunch of people and, I, and I'm going to have to, you know, I'm going to have to wash everybody's feet. And that's important. Listen, my heart is to serve the house. Obviously, our heart is to serve. But here's, here's, how, here's how you can begin to undo the weight of I can't do it for everyone. Just do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Like you say, I don't know how I can love on the level of Jesus like the whole world around me. Even Jesus himself didn't try and love the whole world around him with the love of the Father. He had three that got the most of it. He got 12 that got it most of the time. And then he had 70 that was even a little bit less than that. And then he had the crowds. He understood, come on, I'm going to be able to do all in for some. And then, but understand that do for at least one what you wish you could do for everyone. Have one or two or three people that are getting that all in best of you. Really feel the weight of it, love that you have for people. How do, we, how do we do this? It's not just washing feet. Washing feet is important. But here's one of the things that matters to me at Resonate. It matters so much because I think, I think that we just miss this so much in our, in our fast-paced social media kind of live-on-the-surface culture. Love doesn't just mean washing feet. Sometimes love just means I saw your tears. Sometimes love just means like I showed up and saw you. Sometimes love just means the question, how are you doing today, zero to ten. Not just how are you doing today. Make someone answer the question. And when they tell you they're at a six, ask them why they're not at a seven. And then when they tell you why they're not at a seven, you listen and you care. That is what love looks like sometimes. Love is washing feet. Love is setting up kids' ministry. Love is serving kids. Love is rocking, crying babies. Your babies aren't crying, don't worry. Love is all of those physical expressions, but sometimes it's just... It's just giving someone space to be seen. Loved, 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 loved. This is the potential of our church. The potential of our church does not lie in us unlocking another level of worship. It doesn't lie in the future songs that are going to be written by our band when we get into our office space. Thank you, Jesus. Keep praying for the council vote. It's not, does the potential of our church does not exist in the betterment of all the little things we do. It doesn't exist in the betterment. It doesn't exist in better graphics. It doesn't exist in better videos. I'm, I'm all for those things. And trust me. We're getting better at them all the time. But the potential of this church exists in the hinge point between God loved us and we love people. That's the potential. That's the mandate. So how do we do this? I mean, this is going to be like the most obvious application you've ever heard in your life. But this is how we change the world. Jesus didn't give us another method. He didn't make it complicated. He made it difficult, just not complicated. Here's how we do it. Number one, receive the love of the Father. 
I mean, if you do nothing else in prayer this week, just take some time every day where you express before God, I'm your son, I'm your daughter. I just want to be in your presence and receive your love for me. <laughs> Abby is getting a lot of love in this message. I'll tell one more story. She's a loving child. Sometimes, sometimes she punches her sister, but on the whole, she's a loving child. Friday morning, I go, I go into her room when she wakes up, and she looks at me, and she, she goes, Dad, this is my favorite part of the whole day. It's like, why? Because I get to cuddle you. So I got in the bed next to her and cuddled with her for a few minutes. And Take that mindset to prayer. I'm your son. I'm your daughter. And there's nothing better than being enveloped in the love that you have for me. Receive the love of the Father. Don't feel guilty doing that. Jesus said, listen, everything I'm asking you to do is contingent on it. We will not love our world this week without a just as I have encounter with Jesus. Maybe that's the reason you need to come back tonight. You need a just as I have encounter. Receive the love of the Father. Here's the second one. Number one, receive the love of the Father. These aren't rocket science, but the way that we change the world. They're not difficult, they're not, they're not complicated. They're just incredibly difficult. <laughs> Number two, receive God's love for the one another's in your world. Because he said it wasn't enough to just receive his love. He said we had to, had to flip it around. I, I love, the Bible says this, says, says the love of God's been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. It means you can't manufacture love for one another. You can't read enough Bible to manufacture love for one another. You actually have to receive it by the Holy Spirit. It just comes from the Holy Spirit being poured into you. We have the love of God has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So God, I receive your love for my spouse. I receive it because I know I, I, just, I don't even have enough for them. But, but I know you, if I, God, I, I receive your love for my kids. I receive your love for my coworker. I'm even going to receive your love for that woman that honks at me as she passes me by as I'm trying to put my seven-month-old cute child into a car seat. So reasonable. Receive, receive his love. So God, I'm, I'm just, I'm asking you, God, to do, I'm asking you to do in this place, God, what only your love can do. God, I'm asking you to do in this place tonight, God, what only your love can do. We need it just as I have encountered, God, in this place right now, Holy Spirit. I know that you're here. I know that you're moving, God. And so I'm even just praying, God, I'm praying that our hearts would be ready to receive the love that you have for us. God, get our hearts open. God, just, just, just push through, God. Just move through, God. I pray all of the reasons that we would be in this place thinking I can't receive it. Can I just ask you, is there anything in your heart today standing in the way of receiving the Father's love? Could you give it up? Could you let it go? Come on, we stand with me all over the room. And we're going to turn back into a time of worship. I'm just going to encourage you. All you need to do in these moments right now, all you need to do is just as I have here, just open your heart and receive the love of the Father. Jesus.
in this worship moment, I'm going to invite you to just keep your heads bowed, your eyes closed for just a moment. And maybe you're in the room today and you'd have to say that in your heart today, you don't, you've never had that I'm in, I'm yours, I'm all in, my heart's yours, my life is yours moment of faith and belief in Jesus. Or maybe you know that today you've just been, you've been living a different life than that. So today, you know that you want to make that decision today, either a first-time decision to, to say, I'm in, I'm yours, or a recommitment of your life. I don't mean like it's a bad week. I mean like you just know that you're far from God today. And if that's you and you'd say, yeah, Pastor, I, I, I need to go all in. I need to say I'm yours. If that's you in the room, I'm just going to ask you in a moment when I count to three to shoot your hand up, hold it high for just a moment. And I'm going to give you that moment, not because that's going to save you. No, it's going to be your heart of faith. I just want you to have that moment because today, August 25th, 2019, could be your day of decision to say, I'm in, I'm yours, I'm going to receive that love of God. We're simply going to pray a prayer together, a prayer of faith, believing. As I said, your faith, your belief, that's what saves you. Jesus doing what he only could do. You can't serve your way to Jesus. You just receive. What we're going to do is we're going to pray a prayer. We won't call anyone to the front or ask you to stand or do anything. We're actually just going to pray together, everyone in the room. We're going to join in that prayer together. But if, if you're saying, I'm going to pray that from my heart today. For the first time, I recommit my life. If that's you, would you shoot your hand up on three? One, two, three. Say, yeah, this is my moment of decision. I'm in. I'm yours. God, your love's too good to leave me here. Yeah, man. Amazing. Anyone else in the room today? You're just like, God's just working on your heart. Just give you a moment to receive from God. <laughs> so great. So great. Well, let's pray together. If you raise your hand, maybe you wanted to but didn't, but you say, yeah, I'm, I'm making that decision today. Pray this with me resonate help those who are praying today say dear Jesus, dear Jesus I give you my life I give you my life I'm in I'm, in. I'm yours because of your love because of your love I believe you died and rose again I believe you died and rose again to do away with my undeservedness do away with my undeservedness so I could receive all your love so I could receive all forgiven, forgiven. Free, free to live for you, to live for you. Help, me follow you help me follow you in Jesus name Amen. 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 Come on, resonate. Can we put our hands together for those who prayed that prayer today.